This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. There it is, Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court, big pocket. Fox again. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. I am here with my regular co-host, Rich, and we also have a special guest. We have Deuce Mason on today. How are the both of you guys doing? I'm fantastic. I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk to Deuce. Yeah, there's been a lot going on, and it's probably good to unpack that with a guy that's been very close to all the action this last couple of days. Yeah, so Deuce, I wanted to start, I saw you put out a Twitter post yesterday, and you're into this Old Town Road song, just like everyone else. Oh yeah, dude, for <laughs> sure. How can you not like that song? Anyone that tries to hate on that song, you're just fine. Wait, if we're going to talk about songs for a second, people talking about Baby, that Baby Shark song sucks. That legitimately sucks. Whoa, whoa, is catchy. whoa. Yes, Baby Shark sucks. This song I mean, you just feel it, man. It's got a good beat. I'm, I'm all about it. Can't tell me nothing. So Tom Brady put out something that he was thinking about doing a verse. I feel like the world is owed a Deuce Mason remix. Oh, dude. That, don't give me any ideas because I can. Yes, I, I'm all about a good parody song. So, yeah, that, that could be a good off-season thing. You should do it. I'll help you, I'll help you edit this. We can. I can produce this for you. We got it. <laughs> Let's do it. So on a... Uh, not so upbeat note. Obviously, there was the Jaeger firing yesterday, right after Vlade getting his extension. I mean, just initially, what were what was your first reactions when you hear that this is kind of more than likely about to happen? I'm assuming it was via Woj, like everyone else. Yeah, I think the, like I think late last week, Jason Jones wrote an article for the Athletic that kind of caught my attention. It was last Friday, and I, I didn't think it got a lot of play from people because it came out like a Friday at one, um, and it kind of detailed like maybe some of the guys in the locker room weren't like connecting as fast with Jaeger. It's been more of a process, and I went, "That's an interesting article. That's really interesting." And then you kind of see how the team's playing down the stretch, and I don't know, you start feeling a weird vibe. Um, I, I think taking a step back, I talked to Morgan about this last night on our podcast. 
Like, if you had told me before the season that the Kings would win 39 games and then we would be talking about Yeager getting fired, I would be like, what? That makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, throughout the season, expectations change. And then I think Vlade, and he, I think he made this clear in his press conference yesterday. He talked about, like, communication and, you know, understanding roles on a team. And maybe there was some, there was lack of that maybe a little bit. And I I don't think anyone's going to deny that Dave Yeager is a good coach. Really good coach. You, you talk about X's and O's guy, a guy that, you know, drew some of the best out of bound, uh, yeah, out of timeout plays in the game. Very smart about that. But I think you have to look at the complete picture. And maybe Vlade's perspective was like, uh, I also need a guy that wants to build relationships with these guys, that wants to be more than a coach. And in 2019 in the NBA, I think that's more important than ever. I think Vlade understands that he's been around teams that have been close you know he loves greg popovich who has that kind of mentality too so i mean i i think that's that's kind of how i look at things you know i think dave yeager's tenure you talk about a whole bunch of changes the guy came in with the marcus cousins went into a rebuild and then this year he made the decision so you know i'm gonna change some things up and i'm going to do what i should do and that's play faster and that helped the kings a lot but I, I think we can't ignore if if there are indeed player issues between player and coach and they weren't clicking, you can't really ignore that either. Like you touched on, I mean, Jaeger has adapted a lot. He was a grit and grind guy in Memphis and then 30th in pace last year in Sacramento comes over and now I think we ended the season fifth in the total pace. But you need a little bit more of a player coach now. And you touched on a Jason Jones article. There was one yesterday they came out they gave a little bit more insight on this this let oh, yeah. go and the lack of communication and that one made me feel a little bit better going forward because like you said i was very shook by this i mean jaeger was a great coach it was the best season in over a decade almost hitting that 40 win mark but then it comes out that you know jaeger never really connected with bagley that he wanted luca i mean a lot of the fan base did there but he didn't have the same faith in giles as the rest of the front office and things like that so it, it seemed to me, based on that article and Vlade's press conference as well, talking about how he wanted a head coach to give players a chance to work at their talent, have defined roles, communicate a little more, that he just wanted a head coach that he can be by his side and see the same way, that this is the young core, that these guys are good enough moving forward. It's tough because I don't think anyone should be like taking shots at Dave Yeager, like that's the thing. I think some people get in this mode. This this is a social media era we live in where everything's so black or white when there's gray area. Like, Dave here is a good coach, but like he had some issues in Memphis. Maybe he had some issues in Sacramento with, with guys. And, you know, he's a different type of cat and that's cool. I think he's going to get another uh, opportunity in the NBA as a head coach. And I think he'll do a good job there. Um, but um, you do have to weigh certain things. And look, this is a big deal. Like, Vlade's got to get this right. And expectations have changed. You know, I think people next year are going to be thinking playoffs, which, depending on what they do over the offseason, could happen. But it, it's, the jump's not as easy as we all think, right? Like, you needed 48 wins to get in the playoffs this year. That, that's a big jump. You won 39 games. That's a big jump. So, we'll see. But I think getting a, getting a coach that has the ability – to be well-rounded and, and click with these players uh, is definitely a, a big deal, I think, based on what Vlade had to say yesterday. You're absolutely right. I think that Dave Yeager will 
you know, he'll coach another team soon enough. And the Jones articles kind of fit together uh, in an interesting way now, one being a precursor to the other. It felt like Jones wanted to say a lot of the stuff that he said in this more recent article last week, but he kind of, he, he was kind of hinting like foreshadowing to what would come in some ways. Uh, and he did mention in that article that basically this was a very, you know, a very similar situation to what happened with Dave in Memphis, where it seemed like Dave agitated his own way out. He wanted security somewhere. He wanted somewhere that he felt supported by the front office and, and somewhere that he felt like he was on the same page. And that's probably how Vlade felt as well. I have a question for you here. Do you think that moving on from Dave raises expectations for next year or keeps them about the same? Or do we expect the Kings to have to rebuild a little bit going forward? Uh, I don't know if it changes. I mean, if Dave was the head coach, I think people would say they got to be in the playoffs next year. Let's take that jump. And I think replacing him, it's that kind of the same mindset. Um, I think it'd be disappointing if they took a step back. I hate playing the should have won game because it's dangerous because there's plenty of games that the Kings won that they, you know, snuck away with. But just in like the last week and a half, they definitely should have beaten the Pelicans twice and they should have beat the Blazers. You know, and then we're talking about a 42 win team. You know, does that change things? Does that, does that change his fate? I, I don't think Jaeger's fate was decided based on this, like last week and a half. I think they were looking at the whole thing and kind of how the season was going and okay, where do we want to go? Because the other thing is, Dave Yeager was not going to coach this team next year as a lame duck coach. They were not going to go into this season with the, him on the final year of a contract. That's really rare in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like that's not that most coaches don't like doing that. It, it happens sometimes, but not all the time. So the option was, okay, it's either we go in a new direction or we give him a three to four year extension. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're having questions about like his relationship with the players, maybe relationship with the front office, giving him a three or four year deal. I don't think that solves it. You know, if anything, you put him in an even tougher situation. So I think Vlade have really had to sit back and think, okay, is this the guy I truly believe can carry this team to where we want to go? And I don't think he felt like that was the case. So look, we could be looking back a year from now and saying, wow, this was, not the right move and look at what happened. Who knows? It's, it's obviously a gamble. And I think you know, the other thing I think is from the outside looking in, like again, the, the, the people who don't watch this team at all this year, you know, the, the, the pundits on, you know, ESPN or, you know, CBS, whatever that takes shots and say, like, King's going to Kings. And it's like, look, that's sure. You can go ahead and simplify it that way if you want. But like, I think if you look at the big picture, and you see, you read Jason Jones' pieces, you can understand the thinking. Now, you don't have to think that it's the right move, but you can understand Vlade's thinking in this. And I think too many times it's the easy thing. Well, the Kings have done uh, terrible things for years, so they're going to keep doing terrible things. Just as like the Lakers, for whatever re- reason, everyone just assumes magic quits. That means they're heading in the right direction. Well, why? Like, has Jeannie Buss proven to be a good owner yet? Yeah, we don't know. Like what? So just because there's a Lakers logo, we're just going to assume that good is coming. Come on. So I, I just think you have to really get more than surface level when you're evaluating any team's issues in the NBA. Yeah. And I think that recently Vlade has really proven himself to be 
a more than capable GM. Like this took a lot of guts for him to go out, fire Brandon Williams, fire Jaeger, really restart a lot of the staff that's around. And he's made a lot of good moves recently. Like I said, I mean, a big one that really started, it felt like that boogie trade. Do you feel like the fan base, obviously the ownership does, but should the fan base just have faith in Vlade at this point? Well, I, I know, look, I read through my social media sometimes and I see there's certain fans that are like hardcore fans, you know, and it's like, it's weird. They don't tweet anything until there's like a negative story that comes out or a perceived negative story. And then they say, I told you so, or, oh, I don't know about this. They start questioning everything, but they like disappear during like the good times this year, which is so weird. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what I, how I look at from Vla, about Vlade is... You look at the DeMarcus trade. Hell, you can even look at picking at Marvin, picking Marvin Bagley, right? Vladi does not care what you think. He doesn't care what I think. He doesn't care what the fans think. He doesn't care what the media thinks. That's a good. I, I'm glad he's not influenced by that because I do think I could be dead wrong on this, but I, I do think that there was a lot of influence that, that the team was influenced when they hired George Carl and. I think having a person in charge that is constant in his decision-making is key. Like you can't care about winning the PR thing because if you were, if you cared about publicity, you cared about good press, you wouldn't have traded the Marcus Cousins because ultimately you got crushed on that. Well, it worked out, right? Like it ended up being a good trade. The Marvin Bagley thing, like obviously who knows where he's going to be in three years, but I think Bagley did better than everyone anticipated. Yeah, of course, Luca is going to be rookie of the year. He had a really good year, but I don't think anyone like looking at Bagley going, Oh man, we got a bust here. Like, I think most fans understand that they got a really talented guy who is raw and it's scary. He puts up the numbers he does considering how raw he is. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and do the whole, you got to trust the, you got to trust. I mean, no, evaluate every move, but like, don't just assume because he messed up a pick swap with the Sixers that he's never going to do anything good. Just on the other end, just when he does something great, don't assume he's going to mess up. Dude, being a GM's hard. GMs make mistakes all the time. Even the best GMs mess up the draft. They mess up trades. It happens. Now, you want it to be more good than bad. I think Vladi recently has done a lot more good than he has bad. I'll chime in here and say I think the fan base is, is definitely trusting Vlade more. Um, I had ran a poll on Twitter, and, and Twitter is a place where people are generally negative and terrible. But yeah, yeah. yeah that's just what Twitter is. And I ran a like a very standard Gallup poll, approve, disapprove of the job that Vlade is doing. I did it before the season, and he had a 30% approval rating on a pretty decent sample size. And then I did it again yesterday, and he's up above 70%. And that's even with, that's after the Jaeger firing. I think that this turnaround, you know, the roster has transformed into a, a real deal team. And even the pundits that, like you say, on ESPN or, or people, you know, national coverage that don't pay close attention to the Kings, I think even there, their respect is, has really changed a lot. I think that everyone talks about the Kings as an up-and-coming team. And I think a lot of that credit whether right or wrong, is going pretty much straight to Vlade now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I think he does get a lot more love than he did. But again, if I'm him, I, and he doesn't. He doesn't care. If he can get praise all he wants, he doesn't care. He, he It doesn't affect him. And you could say, like, oh, that's, he should care a little bit. But no, that's just not his mentality. He has 
a belief on what he believes is put, you know, when he puts together a team, he understands in his mind what he wants out of that. He wants a team that plays the right way, that has a team of good culture guys that want to win, that want to work hard. And I think based on the guys that he has in the locker room, the Kings have a really strong locker room. They do. And they have a whole bunch of good guys. And you, I mean, Bogey is a great guy. I mean, just, I mean, really everyone on that team, you have high character guys that are super talented. And I think that's, that's really important to have. Yeah. And obviously now we got to look forward a little bit past Dave Yeager. A lot of the coaches I've seen thrown around the main one who still is employed in LA is Luke Walton. And I mean, the shade that he gets, obviously, I mean, you can talk about Twitter, like you said, they're constantly just going to bash on people. But I feel like that's completely unjust on the job that happened in L.A. this year. There was LeBron, Lonzo, everyone missing so many games. There's the drama of A.D. that it's just unfair to blame that season on Luke Walton. And I think that he could do a great job here or anywhere else, really, as a head coach. Like I think he has his potential. He's still young. What are your thoughts on potentially moving with Walton? And there's other candidates, obviously, as well. But Walton is the big name I see thrown around. I like Luke Walton. And I think what you just said is dead on. Like Anyone blaming him for this year is just a fool. I mean, you're taking on the challenge of LeBron James. Not only that, LeBron James got hurt. You had to deal with LeVar Ball again, a young squad. The Anthony Davis rumors absolutely tore that team apart. They had a whole bunch of weird guys on one-year deals, and obviously they had a front office that was on the same page. He just had Magic Johnson quit. Luke has coached for two front offices during his time in L.A., and that's in three seasons. I think if you look around and see some of the comments just made weeks ago by Steve Kerr and by Steph Curry, like these guys still respect Luke Walton and really credit him not only his like basketball IQ, but how he carries himself. The guy doesn't change. You know, like he is who he is. He's very like a calm, he's a cool, calm, collected dude. Um, and I, I like the idea of getting a young coach. I think there are some tie-ins too. You know, Vlade did play with him in LA in that final stint with the Lakers. Luke coached Harrison Barnes with the Golden State Warriors. Um, I, I don't know if we know he's a good head coach yet. I think that's fair. Um, because he, when he filled in for Steve Kerr, they went 39 and four. They won like 24 in a row. And most people go, Oh, well, he didn't have to do anything. Well, I mean, sure. They have a lot of talent, but like someone still has to coach. And what that experience I think taught him is the importance of a culture and keeping guys together. Yeah. Those guys could kind of run that system. That team was historically great, but he still had to be that guy during that time when the head coach was missing. So you can give him some credit for that. Um, and I think you look at his last few years, the Lakers this year is just a, you know, dumpster fire of a year for them. But oh, last season, they were one of the more exciting teams in the NBA. You looked at, at the infusion of young talent that they had, and you thought that team was headed in the right direction. Then you had LeBron James. It changes everything. So uh, it's okay to say, you know, we don't know if Luke's a good head coach yet. Uh, I think he's got the smarts. He's been around the game since he's a little kid. He played the game. He's been a part of good organizations. You've got a lot of high caliber NBA people who dig him. And so I, I don't have an issue with it. I also think the other big thing is that, that he is for sure a relationship guy. Like he gets close to his players. You know, Draymond Green loves him. It, it's Draymond Green like clicked with him big time. So even Kuzma, you know, I think I was reading something uh, yesterday 
talking about the coaching staff and thinking about how this year has gone, Kuzma's talking about how those guys put him in the position of where he is now and that they believed in him and let him be him. So I, I, I like Luke. I like Monty Williams, another good relationship guy. And I like Messina too. I think there are actually some decent candidates out there right now. I like what you brought up about Draymond Green. If I recall correctly, the, that 24-win stretch under Luke, that was when Draymond really started to feel himself. Uh, obviously, they were a great team already. Obviously, had a championship. But from what I heard, Luke basically said to him, you know, just shoot it, man. Just go out there and shoot it. And him getting super comfortable shooting the three, that was what made so many teams just panic. Like, oh, God, we can't guard anyone on this team anymore. We gotta, we gotta chase everyone out to the three-point line, and uh, I can definitely see why that would, that would make Draymond love a guy like Luke Walton, and I can definitely see what you're talking about here as the, uh, you know, a guy that's connecting with players, and that that's something that I would like to see in in a coach going forward here for Sacramento as well. Yeah, and, and it's someone that Vlade. I mean, I, you remember back in 2016 when they were looking for a head coach, Vlade was interested in Luke Walton. I mean, that's the guy that he's had his eye on candidates that they were interested in. It's a lot of the same names. You hear Luke Walton, Messina. I think at that time, Scott Brooks was a name that was thrown about too. So um, Luke ultimately didn't want to talk to Sacramento. I think he (laughs) took the job in LA and said, yeah, I'll go back home to LA. But I think he really is fond of Vlade Divac. And I think he can't ignore that the young talent that Sacramento has. I think it's an attractive job right now for that reason. You know, you think about where the Kings were just a few years back and there was chaos, but you also had, wow, does anyone want to coach DeMarcus Cousins? Like, that was a talking point. And, like, who are these Kings? Well, now you look at this a few years later, I think their reputation has gotten better. And I think when you have a team that's got Fox, Bagley, and Heald, and it's one of 30 jobs, any potential coach is going to look at that and go, hell yeah, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And do you feel like what they have moving forward, that young core that you're talking about, is ultimately enough? Like, obviously, it's hard to talk what the rest of the league is going to look like. We're in this era of super teams. But is that really what you're going to go with moving forward? Or do you need to add another piece? Obviously, there's role players. You need to work out the rim protection and maybe rebounding a little bit, even though Bagley and Giles can probably pick that up. Do you feel like what they have now with this young core moving forward will be enough to get them in the realm of what they're aiming for ultimately? Well, I think you're aiming for a championship. So <laughs> that's, that's where it gets really complicated. I think you need another piece and you know, I don't know what that is, but um, you know, the West, everyone says, well, the West is going to keep getting better. Well, I, I would assume that De'Aaron Fox is going to get better. Uh, I don't know how much better, but I, I think he can score more. I think next year his goal should be, I'm going to score like 22, 23 points a game. I need to get to the free throw line more. He, he got to the free throw line more this year. I want to see him get there more. I want him to be more aggressive. Healed, could he score even more? Maybe. Um, but the guy that I expect a big jump out is Bagley, especially if he, he's probably going to be in the starting lineup. I'd be shocked if he wasn't the starting lineup. Um, and we'll see how he expands his game. The big challenge for all these guys on the Kings is, okay, what are you going to do now? Like, that's cute. You guys made a jump this year. Fox and Heald, you made significant jumps. This time last year, I think some fans were going, yeah, I like Fox, but how good is he? Well, 
I think the first time we saw him in the California Classic last year, we thought, wow, he's going to make a jump. And he did. But like now you got to make another jump. And that's where it gets challenging. Like you have to put that work in. You have to keep evolving your game. What are you going to do to add to it? Because every, this is, this is when guys obviously get better. It's like, what do you, how are you going to tap this off? Because you worked hard last year. What are you going to do to go to that next level? And that's the biggest key. Uh, I, I like the young, I like the core a lot for sure, but I, I think they definitely could add more talent. And I, I'm excited to see where, how better these young players get over time. And one talent that they did add throughout this off throughout this season was Harrison Barnes, like you talked about. He was previously in that Golden State role, has championship experience. I think that he's perfect at playing that small forward. And just in general, I mean, how have you felt about adding Barnes to this team? My big notice for him has been the defensive pickup that has happened since he's joined this team. Yeah, I think that actually surprised me a lot. And, you know, sometimes it, it, it like doesn't just show up on the box score what he's able to do defensively. But I, I just noticed how often guys would maybe try to drive on him. And then they realized with his length and his ability to stay with guys, they'd have to kick it out. And, you know, guys weren't just easily penetrating on him. And that was a huge upgrade. And I was impressed by his rebounding numbers. I also thought, you know, I think my other concern was, oh, no, is he going to come to Sacramento and he's going to, you know, ball stop a ton and jack up bad shots because he, you know, he's had those opportunities in Dallas. No, I feel like he fit in. Um, I mean, that's, I think for some points you could make the, the case he could maybe be more aggressive offensively, but um, I, I like the addition. I, I think he's also a pro, like just like a, a good guy to have that's been around. You mentioned the championship experience. Like he's not afraid to talk to guys and, and, tell them the right or wrong thing to do. I mean, I actually noticed it in that final game. I don't know how many people stuck through the whole King last game 82, but uh, I don't, I don't, do you guys see Buddy Heel taking pictures on the sidelines yeah. of the game? Well, there was a sequence where Harrison Barnes pulled him aside. And look, I don't know what Harrison Barnes said to him. I don't know, you know, his mouth's covered. I'm going to assume Harrison Barnes said, yo, <laughs> we can't be doing that. And you know, I, I know that may seem like such a small thing, but that's just, that's the Kings need more of that too. I think they, when you talk about a veteran, you need some guys that have been in it, you know, that know how to go about things the right way. And that that's maybe lacking right now. I mean, they have like a couple of guys like that, but, you know, Harrison's been around for a while and uh, he, he can definitely be one of those guys. The Kings Pulse podcast is now available on the app PodCoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards, and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. I'm a huge fan of Harrison Barnes as well. Uh, And another guy that I know that we're both fans of, we haven't really talked much about, is Harry Giles. Um, And maybe Mm -hmm. we can transition this a little bit into some Stockton Kings talk, but what have you seen from Harry and this year? And, and what, what are your, how excited are you about this guy? Are you excited about this guy as, as I am and, and most of us are? 
I am. And I just, it sucks that he had that injury to end the year, honestly. Um, because I just wanted to see more and more. I want to see him get some run. He just needs to play more. And I think he's, honestly, in the preseason, I think you make the case he's better than Bagley, right? Throughout mm-hmm. the preseason. He, I was like, oh, wow. Giles can, and then he started the regular season and he was missing so many easy looks. His confidence went down and then, you know, Jaeger wasn't playing him. And then he got some experience in stock and got that confidence back up. But, you know, I, I, I don't know what his feeling is in the NBA. I try to figure it out. I don't know yet. And it's okay not to know, but I love that intensity he plays with. He's fiery, dude. And, and, and his smarts, like his passing. I said this to Morgan before and Jason Ross, and they mocked me. I said he is one of the best passing bigs in the NBA already. And they're like, oh, you're exaggerating. You're just being a Harry Giles homer. No, I'm serious. He is such a good passer. So I think if he can stay healthy, he can be a definitely like a, a key. I don't I mean, is he a starter? I don't know. But can he be a really, really good reserve on a good team? I think so. Um I just want to see him play more. That's all I want to see. I, I think defensively he's got an edge too. If he can come out, step out, and hit that J, then things really open up for him. I, I, I love him. And then as a person, I'm, Harry Giles is one of my favorite people. I, 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 and I've been around the team for a long time that I've ever met. Like just he plays with such an edge on the court, but off the floor, he treats everybody the same. He will talk to anyone. He is. He's just a sweet dude. And so he's so easy to root for. So that's why I'm probably Harry Homer because he's also a really good guy. Yeah, he's awesome. I uh, I did tell the story earlier this week um, of that that game down Stockton when he went there and put up 30 points. Uh, I got to talk with you and Mo uh, after the game a little bit when we were waiting for him to come out and do his presser. And uh, yeah, she had told me that. Harry's the kind of guy that sees her heading towards a door and he just he just sprints over to get that gets to that door before her and holds the door open, you know, and yeah. he's just uh, he's such a cool dude. And like he's got, you know, this massive grin on his face, loves to talk to the media. You you can tell he loves playing the game. Um, you know, who, who else down there, um, in case our listeners don't know, you and Morgan do the play by play for the Stockton Kings. Uh, you can stream that on Facebook. Uh, oh, I think that's the situation going forward as well. I don't know. Is there is there another way to get the Stockton Stockton Kings games? Uh, you know, I I know I know the the G League is obviously pushing their big initiative of the NBA and G League is to get game, more games on television. So th- things could change next year in terms of consumption. But yeah, you know, they're going to look for different ways to get that that product out there. Um, but in terms of like other guys this year that stuff. I mean, the guy really, I honestly like Cam Reynolds a lot. He got hot. Look, he got an opportunity with Minnesota. Um, yeah. and, you know, we'll, he, I don't know how much of that deal is guaranteed. He's, you know, got a multi-year deal there, but you know, I like the size could shoot the three. Did some nice things. I'm really am a big fan of Matt Jones. Honestly, I, I don't, he just, he just plays so hard, such a good defensive player. You know, can he make the jump to the NBA? I don't know. That that that's it, it's so hard for me to evaluate because it's like my first year really watching G League, uh, big time, and it's so hard. It's like, okay, yeah, you put up numbers, but does that translate? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's kind of tough to gauge in that way. Um. Winyan Gabriel, I don't think I saw enough. I felt like he'd have a great game, then not do anything, and then he got hurt. So he's still young, but you know, 
he, I didn't see a ton from him this year that would indicate, oh, this guy's going to be a stud. But, you know, he could be he could be on that team again next year, and they can give him more of a look, especially coming off that uh, injury. And then what were your thoughts on Swanigan? I know we got to see him a little bit in the last oh, couple yeah. games in Sacramento, too. I mean, he's pretty versatile, interestingly enough. Yeah, I think for him, obviously, I mean, you look at him, he's a tank. He needs to get in better shape. Uh, that's number one. Uh, you could see why the Kings like them. Um, one thing, Portland doesn't have like a G League team, their own G League team. So, you know, they would assign him sometimes, but he wasn't playing for a long time. And I think that hurt him big time. Um, he, he definitely has a talent. He's got good hands, got a soft touch. I thought early on with Stockton, he was forcing too many passes. Uh, that led to turnovers. But in that final game against the Blazers, you saw, oh, he's kind of got a good knack uh, for passing too. So I could see why the Kings definitely took a look at him. Um, he could shoot it a little bit too. You know, you, you look at him and you go, if you didn't know anything about his game, you just assume, oh, here he's just a post guy, throw it down. He's just going to bang down low a couple times and go for the jump hook. But he'll come out and launch a three. He'll, he'll launch a 20-footer. Um, so... I see why they want to take a look. I know that's a guy that they really liked um, during that draft process. And I think they they probably would have taken him had he been there in the second round. Instead, you know, he obviously went to Portland. The Kings got Frank Mason. But um, it's definitely worth a look. One more guy from the G League I wanted to bring up. Actually, not a player, but someone I was really impressed with uh, down in Stockton was the head coach, Ty Ellis. He just seems like a guy that the players can really get behind. I was always really impressed by how eloquently he spoke about the game. He always had something awesome to say about every guy. I'd ask him about anyone and he'd be like, listen, I love, he'd literally say, you know, I love these guys. I love these guys and I'm going to love them until they, you know, get better and do the right things on the court. Uh, what, do, you know, I'm sure you interacted with Ty quite a bit down there. What are your thoughts on uh, coach Ellis? Yeah, I thought you know, he was a great leader for that team too. And like, the G League, too, is such a complicated thing to coach, right? Because it's constant movement. Like, you look at Stockton's roster to start the year, their big-time players are Kalen Lucas and Cam Reynolds. Both those guys are out, you know. They, they you know, Kalen went to sign a two-way deal with the Pistons. And then, of course, I mentioned Cam going to Minnesota. Then you talk about all the injuries and the new guys that come in. Then you have guys missing to go play with Team USA. It's a constant shuffle. Like, in, in your ultimate goal, like, of course you want to win games, but then your ultimate goal is to develop guys too. So it's that balance. And then you get thrown a curveball like, oh, Harry Giles is coming in. Oh, okay, I got to change some things up. Or, oh, Troy Williams is going to be with you now, you know, for the rest of the year or whatever. Like, there's constantly juggling and shifting. And then, you know, you have to deal with making sure certain guys are playing. You know, you got to appease agents sometimes. It's a constant juggle. And I, I thought he did a good job. I mean, they had a really good season with all the changes they had. And he seemed like he really got the guys to buy into that team defensive mentality. They played hard. It didn't matter who was in. They played hard. And, uh, I mean, that to me, uh, you know, your coach deserves a lot of credit for that. So, yeah, he was definitely a good guy to deal with. That kind of goes off one of these questions that we pulled from Reddit that guys wanted to ask you. The two-way contracts are a fairly new development do you think that that is helping both the NBA and the G League? I mean, you kind of talked about how people are bouncing back and forth a lot. That just adds to that a little bit. Is it is it difficult having kind of a foot in both worlds? 
I don't see the negative in it. Uh, I mean, I know it's a challenge for like a G League coach, but I think it's cool to be able to have a guy, have control of a guy and then, then, you know, give him an opportunity to call him up and and to go back and forth. Um, So I I like the idea of the two way. Uh, I'm just interested to see kind of where the G League goes to, especially with the, the, the new contract that they have next year. Like, will any high school players actually take advantage of that? Are they just going to go play in the pro or uh, play in college, right? Like, I think that salary, they have a certain, uh, the, the NBA determines a certain group crop of players that you can offer these deals to. And you can pay them, I think, up to like $125,000 instead of them going to college. So they're in your system. I don't know how many guys will take advantage of that. But yeah, the, the G League, it, it, it's to compare it to what it was like five years ago. It's grown so much, and I'm just glad more teams are utilizing it the right way. Like, it used to be the perception is if someone got sent down, it was a negative thing, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Like, it, it's an opportunity to go out there and play. And I'd much rather, if I'm a young player and I'm not playing on the big club, I want to go play. I want to go play basketball and get better. I want to go play in the G League. And I, I'm glad that they're getting closer and closer to having all 30 teams having a G League affiliate. That certainly seemed like how it was used by Harry Giles. He was struggling really hard. Uh, it was he was having a really tough run in Sacramento, and he went down for one night on this particular uh, trip to Stockton, and he dropped thirty. And you could see his he was elated. You know, I mean, he it clicked for him. Everything worked, and he came right back up and stayed up. Yeah, Harry took advantage of the opportunity and. You get that confidence up. And I think that very next game, once he spent time in Stockton, he looked like he had much more confidence. And Harry's got the talent, you know, he's got to, you got to pull it out of him sometimes. And, and he needed that confidence boost. So, another question we have here for you is Is there any guys outside of, I know you went in depth on a good amount of those G League guys. Is there any names that you feel like are flying under the radar that you could eventually see? moving up to that NBA, NBA level? You're talking about on Stockton's roster? Um, yeah, but really anywhere in that G League. Obviously, I mean, that's a lot of guys, and you probably know Stockton best, but is there anyone that you feel like is a little yeah, underappreciated? I mean, one, guy I, one guy I really liked in the G League played for Santa Cruz. I know he got picked up by Miami like the final game of the year, but Kendrick Nunn, dude, that guy can play. I, I, I saw him play multiple. Kendrick Nunn's a stud. He's a... 6'3", guard, you know, kind of undersized. Like, what is he? What I can tell you is he gets buckets. He plays hard. I really like him a lot. Um, so that, that that's the, the name that really jumps out to me um, in the G League that I saw this year that I think could deserve an opportunity. I know he had some he had an issue in college. I forget exactly what it was. He definitely got in some trouble. So that that's why they, a lot of people don't think he got drafted in the NBA because of that. So Hopefully he, he gets that his personal life in order. It's in order now, and I think he can be a guy that could help some teams. It says here, do you know of any Kings – so this is from Reddit. Do you know of any Kings staff members, media, or Kings players that use Reddit? Wow, that's a good question. I mean, I, I read Reddit a lot. Um, I read, like, all the fans. Like, I read Sacktown Royalty – comment a ton i'll read the king's reddit i check that out um I'm trying to think of staff that would read it 
I feel like Grant claims like he doesn't read anything, but I feel like he reads everything. Um, <laughs> that's like one that jumps out to me. Um, but I'm not sure if anyone does. That's the thing. I feel like all players read social media. They say they don't. They totally do. I don't know if they get to the point where they go to Reddit and start checking things out because I feel like that's another layer. That's like another step. But uh, you'd be surprised the amount of coaches that are on Twitter who do not have – I mean, I know of a, a head coach who for sure that is on Twitter that is under a name that no one would know. <laughs> like there's a whole bunch – like there's plenty of Kevin Durant out there that yeah. have Twitter accounts that are reading things constantly. It doesn't mean they're tweeting. It doesn't mean they're like firing back and forth. They're just there to kind of read it. Like any player or coach who says that they don't read stuff is, is lying. Except I actually – I really don't think Vlade reads stuff. Why is that? I don't even, does he know how to use a phone? And then, uh, I, yeah. I know Jerry Reynolds reads a lot of stuff because Jerry Reynolds actually has an iPhone now, which was a huge development, I think, about a year and a half ago. So I'm sure Jerry does too. But that's a great question. That's awesome. You, you comment on the STR boards there? You know, I, I haven't a long, long, long time. I don't know. It's, I gotta, I gotta Sherlock out your username and go find, gotta pull some stuff. No. No, my my, I think I think it's just Deuce Mason. I think I don't oh, even really? know. I didn't try to hide it. Yeah, I don't hide it. I think I posted like article. I mean, uh, links to interviews from a long, long time ago, probably. But um, yeah, I love all those guys over there. I just I I'm a really emotional dude when it comes to the Kings. Like I grew up in Sacramento. Like I'm born and raised in Sacramento. The reason I want to get into sports broadcasting and journalism and all that and every is because like. I was obsessed with the Kings. I, I used, I grew up like as a teenager. I mean, back to like 13 years old, I was posting on a message board called kingstalk.com. That was really pop. Well, it was, you had Kings fans that's still around, but Kings Talk used to be a message board. I posted so much on that site, like obsessed. And it, it really pushed me and drove me to pursue kind of my dream. So when I read these comments, I just see some people out there that are like, so over the top and sometimes a lot of them negative. I just want to like, what can you just say one thing that's good this year? Like what's wrong with you? Um, like yesterday was honestly a tough day to read social media. Cause like, it's just mm-hmm. so everyone overreacting on both sides. Uh, but it's also one of those things I love to read too. I swear I have done, I must've done an amazing job of blocking and muting the right people because all I've seen on Twitter the last couple of days is people dunking on people for criticizing Vlade, for criticizing Jaeger, dunking on people for being awful on Twitter. But I don't actually see any of the awfulness. So I've done, I'm doing something right over there. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that worked out, but yeah. And also, you know, Sacktown Royalty, it's been, it's been like an unbelievable dream to 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 be a part of that site. And I don't know how I lucked into it because I'm one of the only people in the world who didn't know what Sacktown Royalty was before I basically joined up with them. And man, that community is, is amazing. And you're right. Like the comment section, I love the fan, like, or just, you know, anyone and we're fans as well. So the, the community there, the interaction is so incredible because I think that you go to other sites on SB nation, um, not going to call any of them out, but they'll have like one or two comments in the last month. Yeah. You know, no, no I, 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 tr- I actually go to, a, cause you know, when I prep for games, I'll read, 
I'll read Sacktown a lot. I mean, I go, I read everything and I'll read other SB Nation sites and it's hilarious. You'll see like a post, um, on Sacktown Royalty that gets like 700 comments. You go to, yeah. you know, the Pelican site and it gets like seven and you're like, wait, this is about Anthony Davis's future with the team. No yeah. one cares. What the heck's going on? Uh, but no, the other reason I like Sacktown is legit. There's like good content. Like the lot, you know, a lot of you guys do a good job in the research and, you know, some of the stuff you can't get anywhere else. It's true. I mean, um, it, it's cool that it's given a voice to people out there that you don't have to just, you don't have to write for the athletic or the B or, you know, ESPN to put out good stuff. It's proof that God, like people are smarter than ever. We have more information stats than ever. The people are plugged in and it, it's, it's cool to see that you have people at Sacktown that are spending time breaking down film on guys. Like that's, that's awesome. And it's been a great resource for me. Talking going forward into the playoffs. We know the Kings are out of it. Uh, who is your, who's your squad? Pick a, who's your squad? Oh, like who would I adopt as a team? Like that I want to win at all or not asking you to, not oh. asking you to change allegiances here, but I'm just saying, no, you no, know, no, 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 no. Oh. I'm all about adopting teams. I'm not, I, just because you adopt a team to root for does not mean you're a fan of said team. Exactly. I adopt teams all the time. Year, years back, my team was Grin Grind Grizzlies because I love Tony Allen and Debo and Gasol and Con. Like, I got fired up. I think when your team misses the playoffs for 13 years, you have to go, hey, I want to root for someone. And it doesn't mean you're going and wearing their gear. Uh, I love the Milwaukee Bucks. They play basketball the right way. Giannis is awesome, of course, but I love their pieces. Um, that's a team I enjoy. Um, I enjoy the Utah Jazz. I like teams that are kind of gritty sometimes, that aren't afraid to get into it with, with teams, right? That play with an edge. So that, that's fun for me. I, I'd say Utah and Milwaukee. And how about a prediction? Uh, if you're going to choose the finals, choose the winner. Oh, man. You know, God, it's so hard. I feel like this is the, the way it broke down. Is interesting because now the Rockets and Warriors could play in the second round. Although there's yep. a part of me that kind of, and I don't know if I'm being kind of uh, stupid here with this. I would not be totally shocked if Utah pulled off the upset and beat Houston. I don't know why. It's just, could it happen? I don't know. Harden's had yeah. carried this load and all year long, and we know come postseason that, I mean, we've seen it. The guy gets tired. He gets tired in the playoffs. And that, that to me falls on Dan Tony too, because you should not be playing the guy when you're up by 30 late right. in the game. Sit him down and arrest him. What are you doing? Um, it, it's hard to pick against the Warriors getting back there though. I mean, I, I think they are more flawed than ever. I just look at the rest of the teams in the West and go, I don't have much confidence that they're going to be able to, uh, beat them. Like, I think the Spurs have a good shot against the Nuggets. That's a good upset. I don't think the Spurs can beat the Warriors. I don't think the Rockets can beat the Warriors. I think the Rockets had their best chance last year. Um, I don't know. I could be dead wrong. I, I definitely, the Warriors have depth issues. Um, I think DeMarcus Cousins can get exposed big time defensively in the playoffs, which I think is going to be really interesting. Some plus to see how they kind of manage that mm -hmm. aspect. Um, but I, I think, you know, the Warriors get back to the NBA finals in the East. It's going to be a lot of fun. Is, uh, I think you can make a serious case for the Raptors. You can make a serious case for the Bucks, and I'm sure you're trying to get me to get off the fence here and pick a team. Um, but I, I guess you know I'd stick with the Bucks getting there. 
that's kind of boring. Oh, it's going to be Bucks and Warriors, a two-one seed. So I'll probably be wrong. And uh, and I'm guessing you probably got the Warriors taking it against the Bucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I have no idea what's Brogdon's status now. I know he's been out, but I think they won. Do they? I know they want to get him back at least by the second round. I don't know that. You know, I don't know that it'll happen. I, maybe they rush him back early. I, I don't know. Probably by the time they face the Raptors, if that is how it plays out, I think they'll need him back. Yeah, I, uh, I guess I'd pick the Warriors. But I, I can change my mind, and I probably will three times. Wow, all chalk from Deuce Mason. You're here to, you're here I know, to, that's really <laughs> lame, dude. That's no lame. love for... I, I want yeah. to be a... Where's the love for your uh, doppelganger Zadnan Musa from uh, uh, <laughs> the Nets, right? Give a little love to Brooklyn. Oh, oh, dude. I, I mean, Brooklyn, cute story, but like, it, that's the thing. I look at the East first round series. I'm not. What what series can you be excited for? There's not like that one. You can make a case like, oh, Brooklyn plays hard. Maybe they, you know, get cute and do a little uh, damage. But like, no. I mean, come on. But, like the first yeah. round sucks. I, I, I mean, I'll still be watching every game because that's what I do, but um, it's, it's not exciting at all. You're absolutely right. Well, thank you so much, Deuce, for joining us on the show. Yeah, yeah, there dude, uh, absolutely. Just, I mean, you guys will let me know anytime I'll come on, but I love talking to you. Uh, so I appreciate you guys having me on, and hopefully it was good. And uh, yeah, let's do it again some other time. Looking forward to next season and, and these playoffs as well. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, and you will hear from us again on Monday.